So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Welcome to another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Oh, David Hampton, my friend, here it is, another Thursday. Yes, it is. (laughs) Another chance for us to get together. Once again, we're doing it uh, via the worldwide interweb. You're ensconced comfortably in your office, I can tell. Yes. I'm sitting in my home office. Yeah. Yeah. it's a gorgeous day. Hey, you know what? I found out uh, a, a key to happiness. Oh, well, please, I discovered a key to happiness. Please share. <laughs> okay. Uh, get really, really, really sick. Oh. For like two days. Okay. Okay. And then when you come back to life as it was, it seems fabulous. <laughs> You have a new appreciation for life. Well, that's awesome. Oh, so, man. Did you I, get hit with yeah. something? What What got you? Yeah, I did. I still don't know what it was, oh, but it was intestinal. And oh, God, the worst. It was vicious, absolutely vicious. Uh, I didn't have I didn't have the strength to, to watch television even or oh. read or talk to anybody. Just kind of laid there and tried to survive. For oh, Nate. Oh, that's Came worse. out of no. Yeah. Um, and, it, but looking back, it was this wonderful interruption in a life that had become just, a, you know, just a little bit too, I don't know, too routine. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I was appreciating how, terrific life is until I got just got a t- I got I got taken out of the action for 36 oh, to 48 hours. I'm sorry to yeah. hear that. I will probably be sharing <laughs> your appreciation for life around uh Tuesday uh because I go in for a they keep calling it a minor 6 hour surgery. yeah a minor six hour surgery where we tap away just a little bit of your sternum so we can get a conduit into your chest and poke around on your heart for a few hours but other than that you're going to be fine and uh, so yeah so you're getting the you're getting the is it the ablation? Yeah, redone, it's, well, it's yeah. the hybrid ablation, which is okay. it's like sounds like I'm buying a, an accord, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm getting the hybrid version, so I'll get good gas mileage. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, you know they ablate internally by going up through your uh, leg. They call it your leg, but it's really your yeah. your closer yeah. closer other yeah. parts and. Okay, and, uh-huh. and they go internally in ablate, and then they have another surgeon that comes in and does the external ablation, and that's where he taps away at your chest oh. for a little bit, and then he ablates the exterior of your heart. 
But the good news okay. is I'm supposed to have. I'm about to ablate right over here. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm supposed to have a great result from this. So I'm, okay. I'm supposed to feel like really wonderful and the AFib will subside after a time and I will not be out of breath and feel, uh, you know, winded and all that junk anymore. So I'm looking forward to having an appreciation uh, for life yeah. after about Tuesday. But he told me, he said that you're going to feel uh, some discomfort after the surgery. And I said, okay, I said, is discomfort <laughs> like your word for you're not going to feel well, or does that mean I will feel like shit? <laughs> and his nurse practitioner laughed and she said, closer to the second one. <laughs> so oh, I, anyway, man. so Tuesday is um, that day. And uh, yeah. I'll be receiving all the well wishes, prayers, mojo, uh, yeah. the sacrifice of small animals, whatever it is you <laughs> you do on my behalf, I will accept. <laughs> well, uh, I will be praying for you. Uh, Allie and I will be out of town. I'm not going to be able to bring chicken soup. We're going to uh. be we're be celebrating our 43rd wedding anniversary. We're taking a trip. Uh, to uh, the Ozarks. Oh, nice. That's great. That'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. You guys will have a great time. Okay. Well, we've got a great conversation coming up. uh, One that I came to a little bit late, but uh, it it turned out to be just a a, a wonderful, uh, enlightening, inspiring conversation. You're going to love this listeners. Stay with us. We'll be back on the positive sobriety podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Oh, David, I am really looking forward to today's conversation with a guest, a Southern a Southern girl who is joining us from the West Coast. She now lives in California, an accomplished uh, writer, uh, therapist, uh, and recovering person, Laura Rowe Stevens. Laura, thanks for joining us. Hey, Nate. Glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, I apologize. I got onto this session a little bit late. Uh, spring has sprung. There's just a gorgeous day. I was out working in the yard. Uh, thankfully, I got hit by David saying, "Hey, we're on and ready if you are." <laughs> it was it was my nice version of "Where the hell are you?" <laughs> You've got the button. Yeah. You have the red yeah. button. No, I don't have the red button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you guys had some preliminary conversation. Fill me in, David. Yeah. Well, this is Laura Rose Stevens. And as you said, she uh, is a meditation teacher and yogi. And she is also an author. And she has um, come from a, an Al-Anon background, which has really helped shape how she frames uh, her work with recovering people as well. And so yeah. um, we we shared a little bit, and I'll uh, let Laura talk here. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, just how uh, she was making the point that so much of uh, the way we approach meditation, for instance, is all we, we start explaining it a lot, and we get up in the head and the, um, the cognitive and the intellectualizing and all of that. And she really approaches it from a much more uh, heart experiential uh, place. Would that be right, Laura? And welcome to this podcast, by the way. <laughs> Thanks, David. Yeah, no, absolutely. You, you got it right on the head. Exactly. 
Well, good. Um, and and Laura is. Uh, you said you you come from North Carolina. Lived in went to school in Georgia. Uh, have family in Tennessee, but you live on the West Coast now. I do. Yeah, I do. I live by the Pacific Ocean now, where it's a little bit cold. Oh. It'll be nice. I'm going to go back east this summer, so I'm going to get blasted with the heat, humidity, and the warm water. It'll be great. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, and you will, yeah. If you and if you visit anybody in Nashville, you you will, uh, you know, be wiping your face by the time you get to the car. So, um, yeah, I know it. I'm I'm getting prepared and getting out of the car. Your sunglasses fogging over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Laura, how did you get um, even interested in um, pursuing uh, meditation and yoga and and from a uh, recovery perspective. What's your what's your history with recovery? Well, I'll take the first question and move down to the second. Yeah. So, um, yoga and meditation really is something that was a, that I felt a calling towards maybe about twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, gosh, like I I've been a journalist for a long time, working for daily newspapers and magazines, and been an editor and. Um, you sit for long periods of time on deadline, mm-hmm. then you're racing around. And so it's just ripe for back injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then all the coffee and anxiety, the stress, you're constantly being bombarded sometimes by bad news. And, you know, even when you cover health and wellness and pregnancy, you know, you're still, you know, so for me, my back kept going out and I started mm. doing, yoga for dummies videos at home and um, started getting into meditation. And that was really helpful for me taking a little time out. Even when you think I don't have time for it. Oh my gosh, I'm so much more effective and and clear minded. And I Mm -hmm. feel better. You know, when you feel better, Mm -hmm. you can do better. That's just not really a mantra. It's truth. So that's how I slipped in the back door. But it reminds me of the South where like some of my some of the old ladies that I grew up with on the street would be like, well, whatever gets them to church, honey. Like, you know, it's just, <laughs> you did grow up in the South. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, and, um, you know, so that's kind of, and then I just kept doing it cause it kept feel, it felt good. And then I started morphing into just writing about health and wellness, um, which is like the perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and my classes, Oh gosh, like um, I work every week for seven years with cancer patients up at Torrance Memorial Medical Center mm, um, wow. in Southern California and with people in recovery from cancer, a lot of recovered alcoholics as mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. And, um, injuries. And it's just, it's just interesting that um, we have this safe space mm-hmm. and then I created meditations Um and so my book that is out now called The Art of Flow, Mindful Mini Meditations mm-hmm. is my simplistic approach. So you can meditate in five minutes. Wow. Easy peasy, mm. lemon squeezy, as my little son likes to say. You can do it. Anybody can do it. And it doesn't have to be this heavy thing. It just doesn't. And so my book even has pictures because during the pandemic, a lot of my yogis, we couldn't meet anymore. 
Yeah. Right. They're yeah. on different meds. It's dangerous. They also didn't like doing it by Zoom because I wasn't there to help them adjust, you know. So um, I made this book for them and I have my own photographs, too. I'm a budding photographer. Nothing fabulous. But, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that way, like if you're really stressed, you know, you can look at the picture. You're instantly taken to a new place, which mm-hmm. is a mind technique. Yeah. You do deep breathing. You follow the prompts. You set your phone timer to like five minutes you're done. You can even do it in the doctor's office. You can do it anywhere. And Mm -hmm. so that was like my gift during the pandemic. And I just did it on my own. And now hospitals in LA are carrying it and it's on my website. And um, I might, it might be published traditionally later in the year, which is great. But Mm -hmm. um, now to the second question, that's a longer one. Yeah. And that was, (laughs) what is my um, relationship with recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am a, a happy member of Al-Anon. I have been for over 11 years. And, but before that, even when I was in college, I had seen, um, a therapist for children of alcoholics mm. Mm. and, um, you know, and it was all intellectual. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you think, you know, it. you think you got it, got to move on. Mm-hmm. And then life is lifey and you <laughs> attract the people that are going to teach you those learning lessons. Right. And <laughs> no. then you've got like, the partner that has alcohol issues, then you have like, you know, you're a mom and you're suddenly acting like your mother, you know, it's like, what, you know, so (laughs) (laughs) right. It's just the way it was. So, um, so I, um, yeah, I found Al-Anon after I moved to California. So I was in London living with my ex-husband and my son. I was pregnant and needed a specialist. I had, um, I had a, a very complicated pregnancy and being a pregnancy and parenting editor for <laughs> Meredith Park at the time, I really knew. And my doctor was like, we, we can't get you a specialist in London, fly back. And we, we flew to California. Mm. So long and short of it, flash forward. And when the baby is six months old, I'm getting a divorce wow. and yeah. I'm in California, lots going on. And my next door neighbor, I mean, was, you know, it was a God shot. We're still really good friends. And she was in Al-Anon and she was like, honey, just come with me on, you know, and, um, and that was it. And it was just, it's just, gosh, I mean, all of my, all of my yoga teacher friends can relate to the teachings of the 12 steps, all of them, Mm -hmm. because sometimes we teach what we need to learn and mm-hmm. we teach what we need to keep applying mm-hmm. and, you know, forgiveness, surrender, letting go, yeah. controlling yeah. what you can and knowing the difference, mm-hmm. acceptance, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. detaching with love, boundaries. This is all in the yoga umbrella. So even if you don't do yoga, what I say to a lot of my friends that are guys that are in a program, mm-hmm. either one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. you're already a yogi. You just don't know it. You're right now. You're, you're, you know, when you're doing your readings and your writings, mm-hmm. because that's just w- the physical part of yoga is just one part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's where my meditations come in. I try to um, help people who are never allowed to own their feelings as a child mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. were told that it was wrong to be angry, to be sad. That's weak. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, the, you know, the country songs that are like put on that makeup and uh, start yeah, acting yeah. like a lady, like, you know, the, uh-huh. that's really true, man. I mean, you know, you're not, 
you just fake it till you make it. And that works for a little bit until it doesn't like you Mm -hmm. have to feel your feelings and know that they're not bad and nothing bad is going to happen. Even if your mom and dad whooped you, Mm -hmm. right. Or Mm -hmm. like, like I was saying before we recorded David, you know, it's like a common thing in the South. Like quit that crying or I'm going to take you outside and give you something to cry about. Like there are, we are told as children in this country, especially like, Oh, emotions are bad. So then when they mm-hmm. come up, they trigger all that anxiety. Right. And then we start feeling guilty for having emotions. And it's ridiculous. We're human. Yeah. We got to yeah. feel and move through that and know that we're safe and it's okay instead of trying to stuff it. Yeah. Whether that's with food, whether that's with alcohol, shopping, who knows? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the meditations I do are really simple and we do deep breathing and we allow ourselves to feel Mm-hmm. And we let it go, and all's well. Yeah, they're just feelings, and and then feelings are based on thoughts that we continue to have. Yeah, they're not beliefs; they're just thoughts that we continue to have, and we can change them over time. But I don't like getting too much into the intellect. We just mm-hmm. breathe and we feel, mm-hmm. and we let it go um, in every class and every meditation. And that's just something I feel strongly about as a child who wasn't allowed and my parents did the best that they could you know that's Mm -hmm. another thing i've learned from the program i don't know about y'all but yeah to be able to have like compassion and acceptance for others it just diffuses everything i mean it's freedom Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. like free people are happy people yeah you know when we're freed from worrying about and carrying all those grudges Mm -hmm. it's just it's just wonderful so that's how i got it yeah, that's that's great. Uh, I was talking to a person the other day that was telling me that they came from a really fundamental kind of faith system, and it was all about the behavior. It was just focusing on the behavior, you know, don't do, don't do, don't do. And you know, the the mom's kind of tagline was, "I don't care how you feel about it, just do it," or "I don't care how you feel about it, just don't do it." Um, and this person was talking to me, and and he said, "I've never had to access my emotions because I never had permission to have them." You know, and so I never, I don't know how I feel when I tell people, I don't know how I feel about something. I really don't know how I feel about it because I never had to. It was always about the behavior. So I was focused on the behavior or changing the behavior, thinking that my feelings would show up somewhere and they never did, you know? So I'm, I'm totally, that conversation is fresh in my mind as I'm hearing you just expound on Mm -hmm. all that and, and the power that meditation gives you to free yourself up to experience your feelings. Well, and think about it too. You know, I have some friends who are like that as well, who are like, they never actually know what their feelings are. And the more they think about it and intellectualize it, the further apart away they get from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and think about too, like some of, some children grow up fast and become mm-hmm. the boundaries blur. Mm-hmm. So other people's feelings they take on if they were, if they had alcoholic parents, they're suddenly the adult, you know, it's like the, the adult, it's like the parent, you know, it's, if you're constantly making sure everything's okay, Mm -hmm. you're in this fight or flight survival mode of Mm -hmm. keeping everything okay Mm -hmm. in your family. So when you're in that mode, you're not feeling 
You're taking care of things. You're coming into the room and you're assessing what's going on. Who's upset? What's that look? Ooh, is what is in that glass? I, how many of those is that? Mm-hmm. Okay, pretty. Okay, he's happy. It's going to be good. But in about an hour, things are going to get bad. I'm going to get my siblings out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, you're constantly thinking you can control your environment, and that's what can take. That's what creates the controlling of others, and then also that bleed through of what other people think, what other people feel. I'm taking on, and it's it's just it's just what that little child had to do mm-hmm. mm. yeah. So, yeah that child had to do to survive right there's nothing wrong with that but now everything's okay and those those survival sort of mechanisms can be let go and so the the only thing i can say with 12 step that i have a little bit of a mm with and that's with the word defect because mm, yeah. i think that we need to have a lot more compassion for how these behaviors were created in the first place. Mm-hmm. We don't need mm-hmm. more guilt. And so um, I did a couple of trainings with um, Tommy Rosin. If you guys have heard of him, no, it's like yoga 2.0 and, um, and he's in AA and he just wanted to incorporate more breath work and compassion with just, you know, we don't land here by accident. Mm-hmm. It's, it's things that are taught or survival mechanisms. We're coping. We're all trying to do the best that we can. So how do we heal that space? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's really where um, I think no matter what happens, you know, as I mentioned, I've got two novels that will be coming out next year and whatever happens in my life, I will continue to do it, you know, yoga and meditation and probably these yoga for writers retreats I do once a year, because for me, being able to move through the waves of anxiety that we and being able to feel and get through any triggers mm-hmm. without using whatever that means for you or anyone, or, you, you know, for some people it's food, for some people it's alcohol. It, it doesn't matter. It's just what we do to stuff down those feelings we're afraid to feel afraid to feel mm-hmm. in my experience mm-hmm. and maybe mm. it's been a little different and I respect that. But in my experience, that's, that's why I um, feel so strongly about yoga and meditation. Yeah. Wow. You know, I just, I identify so closely with what you've described. You grew up in a family, you know, oldest of 10 kids and, you know, very controlled and legalistic, uh, you know, loving, caring, well-meaning parents doing the best they could, but very much focused on behavior. Yeah. And the biggest, I mean, just, there were two almost impossible questions for me to answer when I got into recovery 20 years ago. Uh, the first was, what do you feel? And the second is, what do you need? I didn't know either one. And I still struggle with that. To me, this is, you're turning on, I, 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 this is, uh, it should be an old insight. I, I probably have seen it before, but it, it's like I'm seeing it uh, for the first time again today. I have tended in my uh, f- brief forays into meditation to uh, concentrate, approach it intellectually, concentrate on emptying my mind, watching thoughts, having very thought focused. And the thought comes and then you let it go. And the thought comes and you let it go. But it all takes place from the neck up for me. Mm. 
Um, the idea that meditation is about feeling, uh, 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 getting in touch with the heart, that's, a, that's kind of a novel insight for me. wonder if uh, you could uh, expand on it some more or maybe demonstrate it some, yeah, lead us to. in a piece or something. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, you know, whenever I lead at a, at a meeting, I always lead with a, a short meditation and that's it mm-hmm. because we need to get out of our heads and into our heart spaces. Um, the story of what has happened to us is not who we are. Mm-hmm. And the story of what is happening around us is not who we are. Um, and sometimes it's our way of intellectually protecting and not having to go there, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So I do two two of my favorite meditations. One is about coming to the way we want to feel um, to give us control during the day before we mm-hmm. hear about the stock market, the news, our coffee spills, someone in the family has, we you know, and then the other is healing that inner voice from childhood mm-hmm. because we all have that. You know, in the South, you always hear these comments, well, bless her heart. She doesn't know any better. Look what that mom is up to. Or like the apple doesn't mm-hmm. fall far from the tree, you know. And the reason why we have these sayings, especially in the South, is because it's not far from the truth, but it's everywhere. We all, whatever we were raised with, if you, if, if, you are neglected, you have that thought inside that you're not important. Mm -hmm. You know, if you are crying and your mom just tells you to stop it and almost smacks you for it, Mm -hmm. you're totally, it's not okay to feel, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're frustrated because maybe a parent or a relative made promises when they were inebriated, then they forgot as a child, you're disappointed. You're not allowed to be disappointed. Therefore, you're not allowed to expect people to be reliable, meaning you have a sense of unworthiness mm-hmm. and yeah. we start expecting to be disappointed. And the law of attraction states, whatever you think about comes closer to you. And the way that I simply demonstrate this for people who think it's woo-woo is that, well, have you ever wanted to buy a new car? And do you see that car everywhere? <laughs> After you decide you want that car, it's it's kind of like that. Um, and so instead of intellectualizing it, let's just start to comfort that child that never got the comfort. Mm-hmm. And it's it's it can take two minutes. And so I'll lead you on a little one. Do y'all want to do it? Oh, sure. I would love yeah. to. So okay. let's close our eyes. And any I'm a little reader- bit scared, but I want to. Okay. <laughs> Don't be scared. <laughs> listeners, if you want to join, um, feel free. It'll be a minute or two. So just close your eyes. I like to place one hand on my heart. Unless you're driving. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Listen later. If you're driving. <laughs> All right. Place one hand on your heart space and one hand over the other. Just close your eyes. Let's take a deep breath in through the nose. Hold it up at the top. Open the mouth. Exhale. Let it go. Good. Let's do that again. Inhale. Breathing through the nose. Belly expands. Fill the lungs fully. Hold it up at the top. And exhale. Let it go. 
And now I want you to close your mouth. Breathe in and out of your nose. As you exhale, start to make this little humming vibration in the back of your throat. Not a big deal. It's like listening to a seashell when you're at the seashore. Just a humming vibration. Just calming. Relax the space between your eyebrows. Let go of what you think you know. Relax your jaw, no tension. Relax your shoulders. You have no responsibilities for the next two minutes, but to yourself. Maybe one minute. Continue to breathe peacefully in and out. Feel the breath underneath your fingers, your palms. And start to dip into that heart space, that beautiful heart space. And just... Allow yourself to be open. Be open to the feelings that may be coming through, maybe fluttering through, maybe anxiety over just doing a meditation, and that's okay. And I want you to visualize yourself, just yourself at some point as a child, and just give yourself so much love and compassion. Just say, I see you. And I love you. And I am so sorry that I haven't been there for you. But I am now. And I am never going to leave you. You are okay. You are safe. You are seen. And you are so loved. And you are so lovable. Just breathe into that heart space. All is well. Start to deepen your breath. Take three deep breaths. Deep in that exhale and start to visualize the green space in this heart. Your heart chakra is green because it is verdant. It is where things grow. Right? So what is growing in your heart space now in today's world? What is growing in your heart space? If you have any weeds of insecurity or doubt or jealousy, anger, start to let that go. With every deep breath, I want you to visualize them just melting out of the heart space, freeing the heart space so that it can really glow. We're going to set an intention for today. And that intention is one of freedom. Right? It's one of forgiveness, compassion, so that we can be free to smile, to be happy, even when others are sad, even when there's things going on in the world that are not what we want. We can feel serene. We can feel at peace. And we can know that all is okay. We can come back to this heart space. Right? And before we end this meditation, just visualize a candle 
in a closed room for me. Just visualize that in the center of your heart space. Maybe your little child is holding it. And think of this as your safe space. There are no windows in this room. So no matter what is happening around you, no matter what is blowing around you, even if it seems a little chaotic, those winds of change that make us anxious, in this space is your serenity. And no one can take that away from you. No one can alter this. You have the ability to come back to this space and find your peace, your serenity at any time. And it can happen with the breath. So let's make an intention to come back to this space with our breathing and know that all is well. We can feel our feelings and let them move through us and let them dissipate. And now take two deep breaths, inhale. Feel the heart rise. Exhale out of the mouth. We're gonna take a final cleansing breath, releasing any fears, doubts, and anxieties. You know your stuff, I don't, you know it. Take a deep breath in. Shoulders rise to your ears and exhale, let it go. Open your eyes, put a smile on your face and have a good day. Wow. That is an example of one of my meditations. Oh, that's nice. I'm so relaxed. (laughs) (laughs) The breathing is what is key. Mm -hmm. Um, in meditation and then also just deepening that breath um and in a class a restorative class where you roll your shoulders you roll your neck um you leave out of there just feeling fabulous it's like you've had a massage yeah (laughs) and that's that's what brings people back it's not talking about it it's feeling it you know and Mm. feeling safe and feeling like you've dropped a few pounds You know, it's like, I feel like sometimes our heaviness is not a function of how much we weigh. It's a function of how much we're carrying, you know, you can let go that feel lighter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let me ask you this. You you mentioned that your, your book includes uh, photographs that you took. Yes. Um, I will send y'all a copy. I'll send y'all two copies. Oh, I would love it. Oh, thank you. I'll give it a a, a, Uh, the, the one you just showed me, suddenly I hurt. I just wondered, I, I don't know that I bend that way. Um, how, in, <laughs> how, <laughs> I, well, how, in, how important for you to do? That was just a picture. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. Good. Okay. So that was just, a, and like, the, this is not a yoga book. This is a meditation book. Like I'll show you okay. another picture. So this is, do you, can you see the tree? Oh yeah. I can see the, the tree. Board, oh, okay. The, tree, right? Because we do oh. a meditation about the tree of life and we feel rooted when we need to feel rooted, when we're feeling like we're flying out in the ether because there's so much chaos. Um, you know, stuff like that. I mean, it's, I don't, here's another one. This was like a Buddhist temple I went to. Isn't that gorgeous? Oh yeah. That's, That's a beautiful. Hawaii, guys. Oh, they have wow. Buddhist temples in Oahu. And I just thought I took my boys there. It's so pretty. So there's like different pictures to just help you see something beautiful because mm-hmm. it, it wires your mind differently. There's science behind, mm, you know, why we feel so good when we're in beautiful places yeah. on mm-hmm. vacation. We think it's just because we have a drop from work. It is a little bit, but it's also because we're surrounded by beauty, which makes us just feel at ease, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, but now we're in Tennessee. You've got beautiful spots in Tennessee. You oh, can go absolutely. Hiking. Yeah. 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 Get out in nature. Yeah. Well, we would love, I mean, 
we would love to get the books. I mean, we're not, we would be happy to buy them too, but we like free stuff. So (laughs) So it's just a little workbook, by the way, with pictures. And then I have affirmations. Um, And then I have um, intention setting in the back. Oh, yeah. And that's another topic altogether because I feel like a lot of us, when we set our goals and intentions, we're, we're intellectualizing it all. And mm-hmm. then it's like that pressure of talk about like conditional love and what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and then we, we already have that like perfectionism or whatever pressure and fear of success. So it's like, it's like, we're, ugh, you know, it's like you set intentions in that, in that headspace. It's just, so if you can meditate and start doing a little, some affirmations dealing on whatever um, you, you're, once you drop into this space from your childhood after even just a couple sessions with yourself, right. Mm-hmm. You start to realize what it is, mm-hmm. what are some things holding you back? And that's everything, yeah. you know, it's like, like if you were neglected, you're going to have mm-hmm. a very different things that, that trigger you. than if let's say you are a hit. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. If you, so there's, we have all different kinds of issues surrounding not being able to feel our feelings and then what we accept and what we don't set boundaries with. And so when you start to realize, Oh, I, I don't, I have a hard time voicing myself because I'm terrified. Whenever I voiced myself at home, I'd get us right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. a lot of us have this hard time voicing ourselves. And then we, you can't, you can't get what you need or even know what you need if you never voice yourself because you're afraid of somebody yelling at you or whatever it is. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Once you figure out your thing, then you set your intentions in a more mindful way. And I find after meditations, it comes from a heart space. Mm-hmm. So this book is really one that's like a workbook as well. Yeah. Um, I'll send y'all two copies. Well, thank you. Thank well, you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was, it was very interesting to me. I was surprised when the meditation, you took us back to the younger self. I immediately, you know, went to 13 year old Nate, uh, you know, kind of on the cusp of adolescence and all the confusion and, you know, lack of information and neglect and all the stuff that went around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I know I have been told that, you know, we are, at any given stage in life, you know, I'm 64, but I'm also 54, 44, 34, 24, yeah. 14, and four. Yeah, so and it, yeah, and it's that, uh, yeah, and it's that younger neglected self yeah. that uh, very often is reaching for the thing that, as an adult and as a loving and caring and careful parent and grandparent I know is not good for me. Yeah. That's all fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I do do another meditation often where um, we set intentions at the beginning of the class. We just do breathing. And I'll often just say, how do you want to feel today mm -hmm, for people uh who can't get in touch with their feelings? Uh-huh. And they'll often say good, and I'll be like, "That's not a feeling." Uh-huh. How do you want to feel today? Mm-hmm. And yeah. start, and then feel it now. Mm-hmm. So imagine a time when you felt loved. Start mm-hmm. to feel that. Imagine a time when you felt really safe. Maybe you were, you know, on a swing at your grandma's house. Like you invoke that feeling, and then for me, it helps me to feel that way. 
you know, and to, and then to start to recognize my feelings mm-hmm. in a safe way. And so I often will do that myself when I wake up, just how do I want to feel today and start breathing into that before I pick up the phone, before I know what's happening with the stock market, before I know what's mm-hmm. going on in the world, before I watch the news. And then I just remind myself, I, there are things I can control. Mm-hmm. I can control how often I listen to the news, especially during the pandemic when all that stuff was going on and those riots. Mm-hmm. It's like there's only so much we can control. I'm not saying to not be involved in the world, but to give ourselves that moment. Because when we first wake up after sleeping, there's like science behind it. We're, we're, you know, unless you've had a terrible nightmare, but you're typically feeling good. And that's the time yeah. when you can manifest your best day. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you think about how you want to feel more so than a to-do list. Because I used to do the to-do list. I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. Back in my journalism days, all yeah. the deadlines. And now it's like, how do I want to feel today? And then I'll be, sometimes it's just like, I want to be present. And then I visualize putting the phone away so that I'm listening to my 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. I'm not in such a hurry. And um, it's been really helpful for me, especially um, dealing with any addicts in my life. Mm-hmm. Right? Can I be more accepting? Mm-hmm. Can I be more patient? How do I want to feel? I want to feel patient, um, which I don't really know if that's a feeling, but I want to be patient. Mm-hmm. So I want to feel that everything's okay. That's probably mm-hmm. what it is. I yeah. want to feel serene because when we feel serene, we're not in a rush. Right. And yeah. so mm-hmm. um, I can be more accepting when I don't feel like there's, high stakes involved. Right. Right. If gotcha. I'm more accepting yeah. of someone in my, yeah. in my life who's behaving a certain way, I, I don't have to dress in dress, you know, I don't yeah. have to shame, blame, manipulate, control. I don't do any of that. Right. And it's amazing what happens when we let go. So for me, this, this all has been um, really helpful. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why I teach what I need to keep applying. <laughs> yeah. Well, Laura, as a writer, uh, you've got a couple of books that are coming out that are fiction, yeah. right? That are novels. Um, how has this informed um, all of this understanding, informed the way that you shape characters or that characters show up to you? I heard Stephen King or read that Stephen King, I think was what it was. He he was writing about writing and he was saying that the if you know your characters well enough, they will tell you what they will do or they will tell you they will write the story or something. They will, the characters will talk to you, I guess was essentially what he was saying. And so you've gotten, you know, you're, you're a very obviously enlightened person, but you have a very deep understanding of human um, needs and nature and inclinations and um, uh, all of that. How does that inform the way you approach writing something that, you know, many people might assume you just sit down and make up. Well, you do. Well, yeah, right. Know. That's kind um, of, yeah. But it's, it's also um, characters do start to take on lives of their own, mm-hmm. which is pretty amazing. Um, so I have written three novels and I'm halfway through my fourth. Um, I had a contract with Archway, Simon & Schuster to get my novel Between Thoughts of You out, my third novel. Mm-hmm. And then I got an agent, as I was telling you, who I adore. Mm-hmm. Um and um, and she's pitching an earlier novel called Uriel's Mask, and um, I'm super excited about it. So cross your fingers for me because she's pitching it next week. So Uriel's Mask, I think, is one that your audience especially will be interested in. It's Southern. 
it's based when I was a journalist in the North Carolina mountains, I got inspired by a story 20 years ago and I've carried that story with me everywhere. Mm-hmm. So if, um, a free slave in Asheville, North Carolina was making, had made, started making masks when she was like 25. And by the time she was, I think 85, um, you know how in Asheville they have so many galleries. Mm-hmm. And um, so someone from New York city was just looking through the galleries and was affiliated with the Whitney museum, which is, they, they really get into folk art at Whitney. Uh-huh. And, um, and he found these masks of this woman and it ends up, they were masks that looked a little bit like masks you'd have in Ghana. How would she know that? And Mm -hmm. I was reading this story in the Winston-Salem journal. And I remember I got, I got goosies and I've kept that. It kept it with me everywhere. All of my moves, Maryland, Maine, New York, and then in London. And then when I moved to California and started writing Ariel's mask, I lost the the newspaper article. And I honestly think that I had the liberty to make it complete fiction. You know what uh-huh. I'm saying? Like yeah, I think yeah, it yeah. Um, so this these masks, the way she made them, she'd sit she'd sit by the river, the French Broad River in Asheville. She'd lean against a tree and um, close her eyes. And this was the river where a lot of slaves washed their clothes historically. And she'd close her eyes and she would start to feel something. It wasn't see something, see a spirit. She would feel, mm. and it was always a female slave a former slave that would come into her consciousness and she would feel shame and she'd feel anger. Um, she would feel, um, embarrassment, um, sadness, depression. And she was telling this journalist, um, that she would feel this and it would just tell whatever she was feeling that she knew as a spirit. I see you. You're okay. She'd be like, you ain't bad. And then she would make a mask to honor each one. And she was just doing it when she could. And over time, she had like 25 masks. And this, anyway, they auctioned them off in New York. And she was able to put all of her grandbabies to college with that money. And it just, yeah, it affected me so much because I started, you know, my mother had hired, my mother was a social worker, beautiful person. She graduated from Duke University and, and she was really, really, um, she, she just wanted to help as much as she could in the South. And so we had, I had a nanny growing up who couldn't read or write. Her mom was a freed slave. And, mm-hmm. um, and my mother put her daughter at, through UNC. And, um, and we lived on a farm, um, which used to be a slave plantation. And we lived, we lived like 20 minutes from Duke University, but, um, you know, it still had the shacks and the tobacco barns and it became a horse farm, mm-hmm. but it's, it's where I grew up as a little kid wandering through all those, all that stuff. And always wondering what life was like back then. So when I saw this story, I was like, I'm going to do something with this story, mm. but wow. I'm a white girl. I'm not Toni Morrison, you know, publishing mm-hmm. houses would not let me write in that voice. It's very important that minorities get published in current day. Um, mm-hmm. So I decided to make it from the point of view of a little girl growing up in the South um, whose parents were from the fifties. And, um, you know, and so it's, it's interesting. It has a lot to do with the blues and um, it's, it's, it's a really interesting book. And she grows up with alcoholic parents and she's navigating all this. And her music teacher is like the great grandson of this 
woman who created the mass and he's a bluesman and he gives her this mass to protect her. So the mass becomes like a metaphor. Oh, wow. Um, and then you see her transition. So it's almost like three generations and you see her transition when she's an adult and she's just trying to keep everything safe because her mother ended up becoming an addict mm. and her father mm. left them. And so we get into a lot of themes without talking about them. Mm-hmm. You just see what her defect sort of survival mechanisms were. How mm-hmm. did she survive? What did she do? She tried to keep everything safe. One brother became an addict and ran, ran away to the West Coast. And she wants everything safe and controlled. And she's afraid to love. She's afraid to feel. And so you know, we go through this journey. Once her mother dies from an overdose, she then is confronted with all of the ghosts in her family home when she's mm. going through it again. And, um, and so the book takes you on this journey. And my agent, who is not um, Southern, but she's also um, sober, and she just loved the book. And she was like, this is your book. This is your first book. Wow. And this is the one I want you to publish first. And so that one um, will be coming out at the end of the year. And I haven't even told you all the details of the book, but you know, you see uh, what I want to do with all my books is evoke compassion for people and situations that you normally might not, Mm -hmm. you might judge Mm -hmm. something really, really quickly based on what someone does. And instead of, you know, having that shame, blame, what's wrong with them mentality Mm -hmm. to enter into the heart space and just say, what happened to them? Yeah is important. And so the book shows the lives of this little girl's parents. One was an addict, one was extremely codependent who then became an addict. And you, by seeing them in college and seeing them being, they were just really good people Mm -hmm. doing the best that they could. And they were really compassionate and artistic. One was a musician and um, one was a civil rights activist and you, and you start, and when you see the whole trajectory of their lives as a reader, you have compassion for them before you hear Ariel's story. So the structure of the story is very unique. Hmm. Um, and I did that on purpose because I want, I want compassion for every character, mm-hmm. even for the father who beats the crap out of a child, mm-hmm. neglects mm-hmm. one who dies. But by the time the book ends you have such compassion for what they went through that father had been neglected and was very very poor kid from an alabama trailer park he he didn't have the tools to to really do any different and so you start to have like such compassion for these Mm -hmm. people um that i that's the work I'm the most proud of. The other books, Between Thoughts of You and Jupiter's Weight and Lucifer's Laughter, um, some of them stem from my crime reporting. Can you believe it? I used to be oh, wow. a crime reporter. I used <laughs> to, yeah, I, I rode around with police in Annapolis, Maryland, when they were trying to catch drug dealers. Um, I covered crimes that are heinous, like a man chopped up his wife and his mother-in-law and kept coming into our newsroom in Maryland and and saying, can I help you with this story? And then I'd have to cover the trial and they dug up his bones. And it was just, you know, I was covering, I had a lot to prove, right? When I was in college and out of college, I wanted to prove that I was smart, not just a cute little blonde. And so I went straight into journalism, even in college. And, um, 
And the anxiety of covering these topics are just beyond, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so Lucifer's Laughter is a murder mystery. Um, and um, Jupiter's Weight is a psychological murder mystery. Um, and I like them too. Mm-hmm. They're all different. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And Between Thoughts of You is more of a love story. So I cover the gamut. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I can't wait to get my hands on all of these, actually. This is amazing. I love the concept of the, um, the whole story of Ariel's Mask. Thanks. Well, for our for our listeners uh, who are as captivated as we are and want to connect and stay connected and uh, you know be in line to catch the books as they come off the printer's uh, conveyor belt, what's the best way for them to connect with you? I would say my author website, okay. um, which is Laura K Laura K dot com. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for carving out so much of your time today to spend with us. It has been an absolute delight. It has. That's for sure. Thank you. Send me your address and I'll send you some books. Oh, yeah, we will. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Nate, I um, I feel like that conversation with Laura Rose Stevens was really timely uh, today because I have, uh, for whatever reason this week, it seems like um, a number of my, my clients have talked about their inability to access their feelings or their emotions. And when we really mm-hmm. explore it... Mm-hmm. Um, it, it always comes back to, I never was allowed to. It was always about the behavior. It was always about the doing and not mm-hmm. about the feeling. And um, I really appreciated her taking us through, first of all, the guided meditation I thought was really um, powerful, but but really taking us to a place where um, challenging us on on removing a little bit of our intellectual approach to some of this stuff that we talk about a lot. We have a lot mm-hmm. of smart people on this program and um, not the least of which are you and I, but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's really easy to get heady about this stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and Laura is capable of mm-hmm. getting heady. So it sounds like she, she was heady for a long time and then learned to make this connection to the heart. She's a peaceful person yeah. to be around. Oh yeah, her you say? voice and her manner, demeanor, her her way of talking. Just yeah, it's a sh- it's a shame that our listeners can't see her too because she's just she's got this just pleasant, inviting, smiling. Yeah, and, yeah, very yeah. Uh, engaging and and just very um, uh, serene. So yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. we'll go video sometime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say maybe we'll go to California sometime. <laughs> well, maybe we'll do that uh, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's great, All right. great, great visit with her um, for sure. Hey, uh, by the way, we—I don't know that I mentioned this the last couple of episodes, but we'd love to hear mm-hmm. from our listeners. We'd love any feedback you can provide, any suggestions, any encouragements, any constructive criticism, any suggestions for guests. And you can always reach us uh, at positive sobriety podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Well, before we say goodbye, David, please remind us of our sponsor. Well, it is uh, with great pleasure. We have BetterHelp.com. And Nate, you and I are fans of um, therapy and counseling and coaching and uh, all mm-hmm. kinds of mentoring uh uh, modalities and betterhelp.com is a way that people can access uh, therapy from a licensed therapist in their own home, privacy of their own place. Uh, you go online to betterhelp.com and add backslash or slash positive sobriety to that, and uh, you will receive a discount on your initial uh, sign up, and we will know that uh, you've signed up and that our resources are helping people. And um, this is an opportunity for you to have a uh, the same therapist every time. And if for some reason that's not a, a perfect fit, you are welcome to change and find another therapist within the network of uh, BetterHelp. And so uh, please take advantage of exploring betterhelp.com slash positive sobriety. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 